Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Let us continue to put an end to the post office insanity. It's embarrassing at this stage of the game. The Postmaster General saying no changes will come until after the election. They were going to change equipment. They were going to change styles. This, that. No, no, no changes are coming until after the election. But none of it matters because the idea that you cannot vote in person is a lie told by liars trying to influence an election. And if you say to me, wait, are you talking about Speaker Nancy Pelosi? Why, yes. Yes, I am. I'm not saying she can't have a different point of view on a whole myriad of subjects. I'm saying if you think somehow Trump is out to destroy the postal system, or if you think you have to mail in vote because you can't go vote at your polling place because of coronavirus, that's that's ridiculous. And if you spout it as fact, it's a lie and you should be called out for being a liar. So feel free. But it has so taken hold It has made people so completely crazy that now we're hearing complete and total craziness. This is a U.S. representative, uh, Representative Beyer, B-E-Y-E-R. I don't know if he's from, is he from Pennsylvania? No, Virginia, sorry. The Virginia 8th. And he has got, well, reasons why we need to protect the post office. This is great. Uh, But I I think even more importantly about how all human life, all human connectedness is driven by our relations with other people. And in an America where more people live alone than at any time in our history, more people as a percentage live alone than any time in our history, it's our mail that connects us. Let us take a couple seconds to break this down. First, the insane is driven by our relations with other people. And make sure we understand what he's saying. Our connections are driven by our relationships with other people. Human life, all human connectedness is driven by our relations with other people. Well, that man should get a Nobel Prize for science. I mean, my gosh, did he come up with that all by himself? All by himself? Did he figure that one out? But no, 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 that's not the top of the intellectual ladder for Representative Beyer over there in Virginia. No, 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 no. And in an America where more people live alone than at any time in our history, more people as a percentage live alone than any time in our history, it's our mail that connects us. No, it's not. It's our mail that gets us junk mail and flyers to the local pizzeria that we're never going to order from. That's what our mail connects us to. I argue that more people are connected via their webcam to the chick on Pornhub than are connected via their mail. Oh, my Lord. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today, 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. This is silly. This is embarrassing. Anyone who can't go and vote because they're afraid of coronavirus, is a fool. Now, let me give the caveat. There's some people who can't actually get out and vote. I got no problem with those people doing absentee voting. I favor absentee voting. 
I don't favor universal mail-in voting. And I certainly don't favor scaring people into thinking coronavirus, evil bug, you can't now go out and vote. That's just wrong. It's simply untrue. And to fearmonger people, to scare people into this idea that they can't, that's disgusting. That's that's exactly what I expect from today's Democratic Party. How awful is that? Like, I'm not even surprised. I'm not surprised at the levels to which the lies happen. Now, if you want to argue to me that you think that's the level to which lies happen on the Republican side, you're more than welcome to argue it. But I need you to bring receipts to it. Will we find hypocrisy across the aisle, no matter which way you're looking? Sure. Of course you will. You may want to root that out. But how can anybody actually take a look at the mail system right now and take a look at this idea of voting and say, well, it's, it's wrong to think people should go to the polling place? That's the discussion at hand. Now, it's not all madness out there. Some things are happening right. And one of those things was a primary in Florida where Sheriff Gregory Tony defeated Sheriff Scott Israel. And I could not be more thrilled. You know the name Scott Israel. The guy who thinks he brings amazing leadership to the Broward County Sheriff's Office. This was the Sheriff's Office that was called when the attack took place uh, in Parkland at Marjorie Stoneman Douglas. And it was his sheriffs that certainly never followed through on any of the things they may have known about the shooter. But his sheriffs who hid and did not go into the school. It was Sheriff Scott Israel who said that he provided amazing leadership to Jake Tapper. That's what he said. My department provided amazing leadership. He was removed from office by Governor Ron DeSantis. And then Sheriff Israel had the audacity to think that he could run again. And by the way, he only won by uh, two percentage points. It was 37-35. Which means the people of Broward County were willing to take him back? Now, here is the interesting question. I'd like to hear uh, those people who want to talk about systemic racism chime in. Sheriff Gregory Tony is black. Scott Israel is white. Is that why the race was so close? Is this what we think of Broward County? What's the matter? They didn't want a black sheriff? Now, I don't actually believe that to be true, but I don't have any data on Broward County at all and what the positives and negatives were on Gregory Tony. But someone could think that, you know what, Sheriff Israel didn't do that bad of a job. That's stunning to me. That is stunning and frightening and radical to me. But I'm glad he's out. It's one of the good things that has taken place. Because not everything, you know, I mean, the the level of insanity in which we live, the anger with which we live, which is, remind me, I need to get into a whole conversation about education. Because, man, people are sending me things left and right. Do you mind? Can I do that now? I'll allow it. Thank you. I have been having people send me the things that their kids are getting in school, 
the homework assignments. It's the social justice everywhere. And when I bring this up, I bring it up in the context of reimagining. Very often you'll hear uh, politicos say, we need to reimagine policing. Well, every time I hear the word reimagining, I get a little, get a little queasy. I get a little woozy because I believe reimagining is just code for wealth redistribution, moving the money out of policing and putting it somewhere else. If you want to take money out of policing and put it into mental health, you're more than welcome to. I can't decide what you do. And as I've said from the beginning, I don't even know if it'll work. What if it does? Go ahead. Give it a try. If we want to talk about the militarization of police, I have discussed this numerous times on my shows. That what we want is the non-adversarial relationship between police and the neighborhoods that they uh, uh, care of. Right? That's what we want. We don't want the, the adversarial relationship. But this reimagining term doesn't, doesn't strike me well. Well, I have been watching and taking a look at these homework assignments. These homework assignments, we're seeing schools getting more and more into social justice. Um, it's pretty ugly stuff. And one of the things that we're seeing is that there are uh, middle school students, eighth graders, getting assignments uh, about how does my race influence who I am? How are my experiences similar and different from those of people from other racial backgrounds? I think that one's a fine question. The first one's a weird one, right? Because it, it, it seems like kids would want to write to the wokeness of it and not know how to answer that, uh, certainly in eighth grade. Uh, secondly, um, and again, an eighth grader who can answer that question is only woke, is not you know aware. How are my experiences similar and different? Well, that you talk to people about. I think that's a fine conversation. What kinds of bias and privileges do individuals and groups experience because of their race? That's a weird question. That seems like a question that's begging a specific answer. Well, what if the answer is, well, I noticed that black people can get into Yale while Asians can't because Yale's bigoted. Is that an acceptable answer? What kinds of bias and privilege do individuals and groups experience because of their race? Well, now we know. Yale has shown us the way. What can we do to address racial prejudice and to advocate for racial justice? Well, nothing because racial justice isn't real. Anything justice, environmental justice, social justice, that's all code for wealth redistribution. This is a homework assignment or, or something that went to students. Um, essential questions as part of a, a, a school district uh, here in Indiana. And I'm getting more and more stuff sent to me all the time. And I read that and I've been going over education for a while in my head. And I've been asking myself, maybe what we need to do to steal a phrase is reimagine education. Now, I think a lot of this is happening as you see more and more parents say, screw it, I'm homeschooling. Teachers don't think they have to go back to school. They think they're special. They think they can call in sick. Oh, coronavirus this, coronavirus that. Tell the parents they have to stay home. Tell the kids they have, they have to stay home. And when they say, we have jobs, you know, and, uh, tell them, well, you're just going to have to adjust to the new way. Teachers don't have to adjust. They don't have to show up. They don't have to, they don't, they don't have to work with students. Obscene. And I think you're seeing more and more parents say, screw it. And you're seeing private, university, private universities, but private schools 
on that high school level, middle school level, where they're pushing social justice educations and not even allowing the parents any say-so in what's happening. These are parents that are stroking checks, ten, twenty, thirty thousand dollars $30,000 a year. That's over, too. I think you're going to see a bust in education and not in terms of education is going to go south. Education is going to get better because what they're going to bust are the teachers unions and these sickening cabals. That's right. I said cabal. Can't wait for someone to call me an anti-Semite. That's going to be golden. But what is the, the, the reimagining education that I'm referring to? Well, it starts with actual um, teaching. I don't say that teachers aren't teaching. I say that if you want to have conversations about race, if you're having a conversation with the purpose of telling someone they're guilty for their existence, I'm not into that. If we want to have an education about slavery in America, I'm down. Because I think it's very important. Because as somebody who believes in freedom, I'm never down for slavery. I'm not down for slavery when you say healthcare is a human right and you're going you therefore are enslaving doctors. I'm not in favor of slavery as it was in the United States in the early 1800s. I I I'm not in favor of any of it. I'm in favor of free people and free minds. But to have a discussion about slavery or a topic about slavery or educate about slavery is different than trying to make someone feel guilty for the color of their skin because of slavery. White sixth graders are not guilty of anything. In the same exact way that black sixth graders are not guilty of anything. If you walk around thinking people are guilty based on the color of their skin, this is a fundamental problem and one that maybe we should look at. But if we're now going to teach that there should be guilt, that is worthless. And that's what's happening. And that's why people are saying, screw it, we're out. But let me go off of a social justice kind of thing, right, which is what you're seeing in schools, and get more to the heart of the matter. What I want is actual education. I've discussed the fact that I grew up never hearing about the Tulsa race massacre. I think that's impossible. I think that's insane, but it's true. I was this many years old when I learned about the Tulsa Race Massacre of 1933. I learned about Black Wall Street. How is that possible? That doesn't make any sense to me. It's a subject. Part of American history. The good, the bad, the ugly. And we should teach that. Just like we should teach what it took to look at ourselves after the bombing of Pearl Harbor and say, we are not going to take this and mobilize to the effectiveness of quite literally saving the free world, which we did. And we shouldn't look at ourselves and say, oh, but we did this, oh, we did that. We should cheer it, all of us, all of us. I take a look at education. I take a look at in many, many uh, municipalities. You'll find that high school students are required to take two years of a foreign language. Right? Uh, Producer Ari, when you went to high school, were you required to take a foreign language? Yes. How many years? Two. You were required to take two years of a foreign language. And Producer Ari, how many years of home economics were you required to take? Uh, we're required to take one year of just economics in general. That that's that's fascinating. But no one said, "Hey, uh, here here's a class where you learn how to balance a checkbook." 
Uh, we did that in, in, in econ, yeah. Okay, you did do that in economics. Yeah, senior year of high school. I'm thrilled to hear it. We need much more of it. One of the things that I keep hearing about is how we need to increase graduation rates. But no one ever seems to ask the question, what is the purpose of the graduation? Seriously. We need to increase graduation rates. Okay, what's the purpose of the graduation? You now create the graduate. You want more graduates. What are the skills that you want the graduates to have? I want the graduates to know how to balance a checkbook and engage a budget. I want the graduates not to feel guilty for the color of their skin and think that other people should feel guilty for the color of their skin. I actually don't care about graduation rates, and I'm trying to figure out why anybody does. What's the point of it? What is the point of worrying about a graduation rate if we haven't even figured out how in the world we think graduations should matter? What is the education that comes within? Reimagining education is about asking yourself, what do you want? What is the end result that you are looking for? It needs a rethink. Now, some of these things are maybe a little headier than that, certainly not on today's mainstream news topics that people are talking about. And I'm fine with that. I, I, I try to think of it all. But if we have any classroom where teachers are trying to let you know, well, you know, your white privilege this, and you know, uh, your privilege that, or uh, anything like it, those are teachers who should be fired. Those are schools from which you should pull your children. Now, I say this knowing that many people say, I work, I can't pull my children. And my answer to you is, okay, then they win. If you are not willing to petition your school, if you are not willing to get a thousand parents together and fight the school, if you are not willing to pull your child and sacrifice for that education, you lose. Nothing of what I just said is fun, but it's honest. Nothing of what I just said is sympathetic to your cause, although I am. I am. Maybe empathetic is the better word. I hear you. And the answer is, so you're at the crossroads. You're at the moment where school system after school system has bought into a lie that teaching kids to hate themselves and teaching kids to look down on other kids is a sign of equality. It's the everything we're supposed to be fighting and here we are. So you got to take your kid out of that equation because you owe it to your kid. You don't owe them a bike. You don't owe them a new Nintendo Switch game. You don't owe them a trip to Disney. You owe them to be honest and not allow their head to be filled with lies and garbage and sickness. That means sacrifice. Probably even more than you're doing. Because I don't want to deny that many people are already sacrificing. The things that I see, the things that I hear, it's like sending your kid to college. With all due respect, if you send your kid to the University of Michigan, you hate your kid. 
You send them to a university that pushes aggressively these progressive ideologies and teach your kids to hate you, and you send them money for the pleasure of doing it? What's wrong with you? You have to love your kid too much to send them to University of Michigan or University of Berkeley or Cal Berkeley, I should say, or Madison, Wisconsin. Wisconsin University of Wisconsin-Madison. You have to love your kid too much to send them there. There are plenty of good schools. There are plenty of good places. I'm not opposed to education. I'm opposed to indoctrination. I'm opposed to hatred. I oppose the idea of declaring people guilty for the color of their skin. Any which way it goes. So I want to reimagine education. In order to do that, one of the first things you have to do is say to yourself, what education do you want for your children? What sacrifice does that mean? And if it isn't worth it, you should expect no education to come. I'm Tony Katz.